Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We all want to build a better business so we can be better architects. Well, a better business starts with planning for profit. Download your free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. You are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 190. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect, just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Last week over at the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, I held my first live interview using Facebook Live. I've used Facebook Live many times before, but this is the first time that I invited somebody on for an interview and we did a side-by-side interview. It was really interesting. I invited my friend Alex Gore from F9 Productions to to, uh, join me on the show, the first Entree Architect Live interview, where we discussed Alex's work with Daniel Liebskind, the origin of his small firm up in Longmont, Colorado, his podcast, Inside the Firm, where he transparently shares the behind the scenes each week with his partner, Lance Psycho. And we discussed his book, The Creativity Code. This guy is doing everything. It was such a great conversation that I wanted to share it here with you. So this week at Entree Architect Podcast, Entree Architect Live, 
with Alex Gore of F9 Productions. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, Core by BQE Software, and RCAT. And I'm going to share more about these great companies later in the show. But before we get started here, just take a quick note to schedule some time later today, as soon as you're finished listening here, to go visit each one of them and let them know that you appreciate them for supporting us, the Entree Architect community. Okay, we are live, Entree Architect Live. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. My name is Mark R. LePage. Welcome to Entree Architect Live. We're here live here at the Entree Architect community on Facebook. And this is a new format here for Entree Architect. We've done some Facebook Live sessions before. This is sort of an experiment. Everything else that we've ever done on Facebook Live uh, has been uh, an experiment and it's always been me. I sort of did a few um, teaching sessions on, on some subjects I've done just sort of testing the, the, the format and see how it works. Uh, when I was at AIA convention or, or the conference on architecture in Orlando, I did some live updates there. Um, and I've recently in the last few months have done some live sort of talk while I walk while I do my morning walk. And so I'm just sort of experimenting with the with the format and seeing how it works. Today, I'm going to do something different. Today, I'm bringing on a guest. And you may know who it is if you've been seeing any of the marketing. Uh, but I'm going to, uh, we're going to do a, an Ask Me Anything, an AMA. It's something that uh, you see around the internet on other channels, other, other platforms, uh, an AMA, Ask Me Anything. So it's basically a session where you bring on someone else uh, and you can ask us any question you want. So you can get your questions started posting here. Any questions you may have for me or maybe maybe for our guest. I want to introduce our guest right now. Today's guest uh, grew up drawing War of Ants vs. Bees. I used to do that too. Not vs. Ants vs. Bees, but I did other drawing wars. Uh, it must be a, an architect thing. Also playing backyard baseball, visiting architectural sites, uh, and being obsessed with Frank Lloyd Wright. And after graduating from high school, he joined the National Guard as a heavy equipment operator which must have been fun. Um, he, while enrolled at the Guard, he also attended North Dakota State University uh, to start architecture school. And he graduated from North Dakota State with a master's degree in architecture and a master's degree in construction management. So he got two prongs here. And upon graduating, he worked under the world famous architect, Daniel Liebskin, which is pretty cool. I wanna hear a little bit about that. And from there, he teamed up with his best friend from college, Lance Psycho, and they started F9 Productions. So yeah, I'm sure if you are part of the Entree Architect community, you know F9 Productions, you know our guest. Uh, he's the host, the co-host of Inside the Firm podcast. He's the author of The Creativity Code. Um, can't have a better guy to, to start this new uh, idea here, Entree Architect Live. Today we have Alex Gore today with us. Let's bring him in. There he is. Hey, how's it going, Mark? I'm I'm very happy to be here. Excited to be here. It's uh, it's exciting to have you here. This is going to be sort of just a casual conversation. Great. Um, anybody who has any questions for Al or for me, you can uh, post them in the comments right below this video. Uh, and and I believe even after this video is after we're finished here live, it'll still be on the group, and you can continue posting conversations there and questions. And I'm sure. 
uh, Alex and I will will monitor those questions and you can answer any questions that you might have. So even if you don't make it to this live session, you're welcome to uh, to post any questions you may have after we're finished live here. So uh, Alex, I gave you a, sort of an introduction here so people have an idea of who you are and what you what you're doing. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty here, I, I Daniel Liebskin. How yeah. did you, I, I want to go right there. I want to go right to Daniel Liebskin. How did you pull that off right out of architecture school? He's a guy that I followed in architecture school uh, with, with some of the unbuilt work that he did. And then he started, you know, doing some pretty amazing work, uh, built work. How did that happen? Yeah, it, It's sort of a funny kind of coincidence um, because years before, even when I was in high school, you know, I, my mom bought me a Time magazine article. She's like, you should work for this guy you know, Daniel Liebskin. And I was like, ah, nah, you know, didn't even think about it. And then years later I did. And I tried to get Lance uh, after college to move out to New York with me, but he wanted to move to Denver and now he loves New York. But anyways, we, we started sending out uh, resumes early in about January and our professors are like, this is way too early. You got plenty of time. Well, 2007 was different. You needed to be. Yeah. And the, the keys that I learned was if you're going in a different city and from hiring people, we learned this too tell them that you're going to be there no matter what. So if you're coming from Montana or California or whatever, because we don't want to waste your time, you know, especially if we have five candidates and the same is for these, these big guys. So I had a friend um, out there already for, that I knew since high school. So I was going to move out there. And then when I sent out resumes, I said over spring break, I booked the tickets before I even had interviews. I said, I'll be out here for interviews, you know, from this time to this time. So I lined up, you know, four or five, uh, interviews and Leafskin kept balking, you know, they kept, you know, uh, maybe, you know, they kept saying weird stuff. And I remember being on the phone with one of the guys and he's like, well, uh, we'll offer you an internship. And I'm like, well, I want a job, like a full-time job. And I want to come in for an interview. Like I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm in New York this, this whole week. And they said, well, you have to tell us whether you're going to turn down the internship or not. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was like, I, I can't remember, you know, how that, but then I, I reached out and I, I called someone else. I knew someone else there. And they said, that's not true. It's kind of like a tactic because if they could get me for the internship, you know, then, then they get me for that. Yeah. However, it went out, I didn't end up interviewing there, but I, I interviewed at a couple other places and got a couple different job offers. One for yeah, extraordinary amount of money <laughs> for, for a kid coming out. I guess, I don't know, it was, for me, I thought it was great. It was like a 50K plus, um, uh, you know, starting out salary. Yeah. So then I, and, and I got a couple other job offers. And uh, my, my boss walked up to me and he said, congratulations. I'm like, on, on what? <laughs> He's like, oh, don't you know? I'm like, no. And they go, well, I was talking to, um, there's a head boss, Carla, and Nina uh, Liebskin runs a lot of the stuff there. And I would talk to Nina basically every day. Me and this other uh, intern, David, would go out for Burger King for shakes every day. And we'd say hi to Herbie. She's always at the front desk. I said, well, I talked to those two and, um, and Daniel, and they asked me if, you know, we should hire you. And I said, yes. And normally they, you know, listen to me. <laughs> so I was in, in suspense for two days while they wrote up the, the offer letter. And then when I got it, you know, I was happy, but it was a little bit less than that, like original one from right. six months ago. 
And I asked my girlfriend at the time, like, oh, should I ask for more money? And she's like, no, stupid. Just take the job. <laughs> so that then uh, worked so there. What, what, was, what was the position that they were, they were hiring for? When I finally got hired? Yeah. Um, I forgot what it was. Just design, your entry-level designer. So I went from, um, you know, basically the summer intern position or, you know, sometimes people were work during school. Right. Just, yep. I mean, you're working full time, but you're not getting paid like staff. And then I got a job and a dedicated desk and, uh, you know, a dedicated computer and, and all that. It, it was great. It was amazing. Well, that's, that's exciting. It, it, it was, it, did it feel like a dream come true? Did it feel like it was even possible to like work for a star architect like that? I, I, it didn't. That's why I took it at the intern level. Yeah. was when do you have the chance to do anything like this um and it was it was so great and so amazing and there's uh there's so many architecture firms out there you know oma som just every major architecture firm you can think about is up there so you know people date or they go to you know columbia and they know their friends are all in, in all the other ones and what we kept hearing which was great is that we kind of have the same setup here at f9 that we have at Liebskin. Um, meaning we just have uh, doors as tables um, and everything's open and you have your filing cabinet under it. And we were hearing back from some of the other firms, like people were in competition with each other. You know, they kind of put up barricades so that other people wouldn't see their ideas. And everyone at Leapskin was uh, extremely smart, but then extremely open. I remember a guy coming over to my desk, he was programming uh, some script and, and how to lay out these trees. And I was, I was like, wow, you are 10 times smarter than me. Um, and you are freely, you know, just, just sharing this. So it was, it was amazing experience. Did you, did you, um, sort of base F9, the way F9 is structured on the things you learned at Leapskin? There's only, there's one major thing that we carried over and it was, I don't know if it wasn't necessarily like a, a point that, Leapskin would say or teach, but essentially before he got big, he'd do crazy projects and projects that wouldn't even, you know, make sense. Um, and it right. was something that he was, you know, passionate about. So every, that's, how I, that's how I knew him in architecture school. He was doing these bubble things that were growing out of the side of buildings. It was all illustration. It wasn't really architecture. Yeah. And I even remember, so he came over to my desk and he's like, well, I want this like the archipelago's. I'm like, what are you talking about, islands? And then he brought over one of his old books, you know, and he, you know, like, like this, yeah. now make this happen to that. And I was like, okay, I'll try. I'll try. But um, so we try to do a one fun project a year and that's led into some some crazy cool stuff. So uh, the, the tiny house that we built, Atlas Tiny House, um, I'm sure, I think atlastinyhouse.com is, is the website. But uh, we, we, we wanted to, if you're familiar with the tiny house movement, a lot of them look like cabins and we thought, okay, let's make one that's sustainable and a little bit cooler. So, you know, we sloped the front. Um, oh, there you go, Mark. <laughs> so that it'd be more aerodynamic. Uh, now more of them coming out in this, in this modern kind of vein, uh, put solar panels on there, collected rainwater, all this other stuff. But it was, it was making a commitment to do something cool every year. Um, and then, the other thing, I don't know how much we've implemented this, but we are putting up boards um, and it actually wasn't my group. I was just walking down the hallway and I think I just stepped into the, to the conference room and uh, he yelling is too strong of a word because he's not a mean guy. He's a very nice guy, 
but he's like, what is this? And they're trying to explain like, yeah, this is the project that we're, he's like, this looks like architecture boards. Like, yes, we are all architecture <laughs> people. It's like, don't make it look like that. <laughs> and it was just kind of a, a, a click to uh, be different, to be different. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. There, there, there's a, there's sort of a controversy in the profession uh, about interning for star star architects that a lot of star architects don't pay anything. Um, yep. That it's sort of a privilege to work for them and they take advantage of that and they take advantage of students by doing that. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's, I mean, it sounds like you were paid, you weren't paid yeah. at a market rate, but you were paid. And I think we, all of us interns worked out our um, hourly rate back then because we were working at least till almost 11 each night, but we didn't have to come in until 10. And then if you worked past 10, you could take a taxi home, which was awesome. But it was like $3 an hour, nothing. And what I think about it is, uh, I think we, we pay our interns here at F9. Um, there's two debates that I'm kind of interested in. That one, you know, whether what are the pay at these star architects, and then studio culture. And my point of view is that, because they try to limit the studio culture, it's the same thing. It's like you're sacrificing, you know, all your time, energy, and, and money, and you're not getting much in return. And my thoughts are, you are only young once. You have, you know, not too much overhead. If you want to do it, you know, that's that's totally fine. Um, it, it, it almost reminds me of if they tried to make, so I was in the Army, if they tried to make basic training easier, you know, they'd be like, no, it's supposed to, you're supposed to be screamed at at midnight for, you know, two weeks in a row. You're supposed to get no sleep. You're supposed, this is, you know, supposed to be hard. And I don't mean that to, to torture anyone. Um, I, I just think there's a variety. Uh, I think it should be like Leipzig you should at least have a stipend. I don't think you should do it for free because then that limits it to only people that can do it, you know, that have money. So the stipend was enough to cover my rent and then food. And mm -hmm. Obviously, it couldn't cover, you know, anything else, but I didn't have anything else. So it worked out. Right. And so there is lots to learn by working for someone like that. And, and clearly, uh, F9 Productions has been has been uh, a very successful. And so it's not completely based on Leibskin's studio, but but certainly there were many lessons that, that you and Lance, uh, Lance Psycho is your partner. We had yep. mentioned that, but um, it's it, uh, a lot of the questions that for a lot of the lessons that you learned at Leapskin probably, you know, uh, influence what you do today. Yep. Yep. And especially too, um, uh, I know there was a debate around interns. Uh, I, I don't like that term. I, I think that term is semi appropriate when you're in college, um, doing a summer thing. It makes sense. Honestly, you don't know too much, you know, you're just helping out and the firm is kind of teaching you, but after you graduate with college, then, then I think the real salaries and, you know, should, should be in place. What do you guys call them? When you when you hire them as interns, um, associates or colleagues, yeah. yeah. Like when we're talking, you know, um, because some of them are at that level. And when, when we're talking with other clients, we just say, "Oh, my colleague Mark will be contacting you," um, and we call them designers. Uh, yeah, but, I've heard you reference them to to as colleagues on the podcast. Yeah, um, but some of them, if they are in college and just coming for a summer work, and if I do slip up and call them an intern, I, I do think that's okay because your your degree isn't done yet. But once your degree is done, it, yeah. and you spend six, you know, you learn so much in the first six months at a firm that you are years ahead, you know, just by, um, you know, being in there day by day and, and really tackling the project.
Talk about a little bit about how F9 Productions, your architecture studio is is structured. Well, to actually talk about the history of that a little bit, about how you guys started and and then how it's structured. Yeah, so it start, <laughs> the idea started when I got laid off by Liebskin um, because I called Lance that night and I said, man, a storm is coming. And he goes, okay. He was still working at Studio HT, which was an amazing firm here. Both of his bosses won Young Architect of the Year. Um, for the United States. So he was working under some really good guys too. And uh, he said, this BIM thing, I'm doing this BIM thing. I'm making BIM models. Um, so he's going to do that. I was going to learn. I was going to make a website, go back to school. And I just kind of let him know. And from the podcast, uh, from uh, what is it? Pat Flynn's podcast, we started uh, alternate streams of income. Yep. Smart passive income is yep. Pat Flynn's podcast. Yeah, so Lance started making that and he got laid off and he didn't he couldn't go back to school. He had kids at a time and a wife, so he just started doing carpentry work and started getting some jobs and I was wrapping up my masters in uh, construction management. And then basically I I did the same thing to him um because he could just kind of sustain himself and I said, "Well, I'm coming down to Colorado." He's like, "Well, I don't know if I have enough work." I was like, "I don't care. <laughs> I'm coming." <laughs> got the apartment like right above him. Um so kind of just forced my way in and then I just started getting work from the get go. Um, he had some, he had some, you know, stuff already in the pipeline, and I took over one project and and things like things like that. But essentially, it, we just worked as a two man shop, you know, killing ourselves for about three four years uh, until probably around 2014 15 around there. Um, 13 14 15, we started, you know, we had an intern here or there, um, literally someone, you know, in college helping us out. And then, and then we kind of blew up and now we're up to about 10 people. Um, and we're upset because one of them is on sabbatical in, in Europe, uh, you know, going around for three months. We're like, we need more people and we need our guys right now. <laughs> uh, you, you heard Lance in, in the pre-interview, uh, you know, kind of swearing that he needed more people. <laughs> so how it's structured right now is that it's, it's a two-headed beast. Uh, so I have a couple guys that mainly work for me, but we'll do side stuff you know, for Lance. And the same thing is true. He has people that will mainly work for him. And then if I need someone or something's urgent, I'll, you know, take Josh or, or something like that. And then maybe a couple floaters. And we both have, uh, are getting clients by ourselves. And then sometimes we'll see, uh, you know, what our strengths are. So if, if Lance somehow got a townhome project, he'd probably just shoot it over to me and say, Hey, talk to, talk to Al about this. If I got an assisted living facility, I'd, I'd bring in Lance too. Um, we haven't back in probably a couple of years ago, we used to go to all meetings with clients together as a team. And then we decide like who fits better, you know, who should take it, you know, work yeah. like that. We've just been so busy that our schedules don't align or, you know, I'm working on something big or he's working on something big that, We've just been going at it, you know, at a, as a single-headed headed beast. Besides, if we see an opportunity for a major, major um, person in, in something new, then then we'll come together um, and, and tackle it. Uh, but that's kind of how the firm is is set up right now. So it sounds like it's sort of evolved to be that that you never really intentionally set it up that way. That it just it works best that way, and so you continue doing it that way. Yep, yep. And I would say if because. I don't know the breakdown, but a, a lot of our projects are, you know, probably under 20 grand in, in commission. Um, 
which might seem like a lot, but when you have, you know, 10 guys, bills stack up rather quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but if we are getting larger projects, you know, schools, stuff like that, I think we'd coalesce and, and come back, come back together yeah. for, for those, those meetings. It's just, uh, the, the time and, and, and doing all that, it, it kind of just separated at this point. Yeah. So it sounds very flexible that, that it works well the way it works now. And then if you need it to be a bigger monolithic firm that you can very easily present yourself that way and work that way. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, BQE Software, RCAT, and FreshBooks. This podcast episode is sponsored by BQE Software, the makers of BQE Core. BQE Core revolutionizes the way architects manage projects, time and expenses, billing, and accounting. Made by BQE, the company behind ArchiOffice, Core saves you time while giving you the visibility, the flexibility, and the power you need to grow your firm. Work from anywhere, seamlessly collaborate, and gain transformative insights with Core's groundbreaking platform. Learn more and get a free trial at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. Hey, and if you want to see a demonstration of Core, I recently invited Stephen Burns of BQE Software to join me for a live Entree Architect special session webinar, where Steve had the opportunity to show us inside Core and all it has to offer us small firm architects. And a recording of that webinar is available to our community, the Entree Architect community, for free at entrearchitect.com slash webinar. So go check that out. And when you're ready to give it a try, visit entrearchitect.com slash BQE and access your fully functional trial of Core free for 15 days. Hey, if you've been listening to this podcast anytime during the past few months, you've heard me talking about our friends over at RCAT. And hopefully you're already using their free resources on a regular basis. But for those of you who have not yet checked them out, RCAT is a great tool for small firm architects. RCAT has a huge library of free content, CAD, BIM, specifications, and more. And they've done all the work for you. I mean it, they've done all the work. If you need a spec, click on over and download a CSI three-part specification in multiple formats, free. How about CAD details or BIM objects? All free, click of a mouse. RCAT has tons of building product content ready for you to use, and it's all completely free. You don't even have to register to download the content. And they've recently launched something new. It's called Charette. Create a project, assign tasks, share and collaborate with colleagues and clients, all in real time. Pull content directly from the RCAT database or from anywhere out on the web and keep it in Charette. It's another free resource from RCAT for you, the Entree Architect community. Visit them right now. Go check them out, entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. That's A-R-C-A-T, entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. And click on the Charette icon right there on the homepage to check out Charette. Imagine what you can do if you had an additional two days every month to dedicate to anything that you want. Maybe you just want to spend more time on design. Maybe you want to to start building that new business process. Maybe you want to start painting again. Maybe you want to spend more time with your kids, or maybe you want to finally start that development project. 
Well, when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, you could save 192 hours every month. That's two business days every month. That's the amount of administrative time that you could save this year if you're using FreshBooks. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses, automatically track your time for the whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. My favorite feature of FreshBooks is the automated email reminders sent to my clients to remind them to pay their bills. That's done automatically and you control the whole thing. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. BQE Software, RCAT, and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So F9 Productions is a very interesting name for architecture studio. Uh, yeah. What's the background on that? That's the question that I've never asked you guys and I, I want to know that. So that came in school uh, after third year. So beginning in, in college, Lance and I didn't know if we liked each other. We were kind of rivals. <laughs> and then by third year, we realized, you know, I thought he had skills. He must have thought I had skills. So so we teamed up. So, um, you know, we put our desk together and I'd always bring a, a, a kitchen table that I'd put behind us, um, you know, illegally from studio. Every year we'd get the email, do not bring desks that are not approved. <laughs> do not listen whatsoever yeah, it's an architecture studio we yeah. have our own rules yeah. like you can come and take it if you want but we aren't going to move it um and one of our professors lance and i were heavily you know on the computer because i guess now it's accepted that people will be in the computer and it wasn't even that long ago it was about 10 years when when we were in college um it's still a lot of hand sketching and uh one of the professors would come over and be like, ah, oh, you guys cheat. The computer does all the work for you. <laughs> so we'd even joke, we'd take our, you know, mouse, you know, and we'd be like, mouse, make building. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be like, not too good. We're only in third year. We can't let them know that you are doing all the work. <laughs> and in uh, 3ds Max, F9 was the hot key to render. So Interesting. We, some, some people would be complaining, you know, it'd be midnight, we'd have techno music on and Lance and I wanted to be better than everyone. And they'd be like, man, I want to go home and go to sleep. We're like, go ahead, just hit F9 and walk away. Computer will do it for you. You will be fine. You can get some rest, you know, go to sleep. And then when, uh, when Lance was first starting the firm, he's, you know, we have our buddies that we talked to and we're like, what should we name it? And no name was coming up and just, F9 productions because we only had renderings at that point because everything was conceptual. So it was just the production of that, that rendering function that the yeah. name came from. So that was it. And then to, to build on that. So we have, uh, so our tiny house is a company because we, it's rented as a, as a hotel. Our development is, is, is a different company. So it's just evolved. We have F9, F10, LF, F11, F12. We skipped F13 and now we have <laughs> F14 and F15. <laughs> and these are all like projects that you've done, like big projects that you sort of are benchmark projects in your in your career. Is that sort of how you're labeling them? They're for legal reasons. 
Oh, um, so they're actually they're separate companies. Each one of those Fs are a separate company. Yep, yep. So for um, if you're starting a development project, uh, your land should be another company. Mm-hmm. Um, because in case something happens to that, that shouldn't affect you designing a house for Jane and, and John um, whatsoever. Um, so our construction company, the, the same thing too. So that's legally, you know, how we set it up. And you have to set up separate bank accounts too. Um, so that, and you have to pay separate taxes and all that. So everything has to be legit and separate, but that's, that's the, I don't know, you could say correct way to do it. That's the precedent way, the, the best legal way to do it. Yeah. We have uh, a couple of questions here. Adam Mayberry says, uh, your development project, are you going to sell units individually or offer for rent any more developments in the works? Yeah, so we're going to sell them off. Um, basically, we couldn't separate the parcels. So it'll be a condos. Excuse me. So there'll be an HOA and then you'll buy the units. So the six on one side will sell off. There's still talk about renting the two on the other side. And the only reason is we might rent them as affordable housing and then get some of our fees reduced. I don't think the math's going to work out, um, but everything will be, will be separate. Um, and then we'll have our, our own commercial project there. Uh, after we execute this one, uh, or when it's probably 80 to 90%, you know, construction done, everything sold, we'll be looking for the next piece of land. We already have our eye on a couple, but, um, we really want to see how, how this first one goes before jumping into something else. And then also capital requirements, uh, where all the money. So how we structure the firm also is that, um, we, we try to stay lean. So even Lance's, our, our salaries are, you know, they wouldn't impress anyone. It's the dividends at the end that, normally make up for everything and spread things out. Um, but that allows us to go with the, up, you know, the, the flows of, of architecture. Um, so we take our, you know, bonuses afterwards, not, not beforehand, but a lot of this year's bonuses will probably go to pay down the land and pay the, uh, you know, 25% that we need for the construction loan. Yeah. Talk about the, your development a little bit. The, the, um, you started with a tiny house and then it sort of evolved because, uh, I've had you guys on the podcast uh, at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Um, and we've we've heard a little bit, a bit about your origin story. Uh, I've had you, uh, Lance has recently been uh, a, uh, a, a guest presenter at our master classes at Entree Architect Academy. You both work together on a master class at Entree Architect Academy. So anybody who wants those should join Entree Architect Academy. Yep. Um, but uh Talk about how you, because I think a lot of architects have a desire to to work in development. I have two questions, actually. One was a recent podcast that I just recently has done. Do you think that every architect should do development? Uh, if not, why? Um, and then the second one is, is how did you get from doing a tiny house to getting to do your most recent development project, which is a pretty big, significant project? So, yeah. Um, so, so the first one, I think the majority of architects should do their own development um, and you should do it in what you are familiar with uh, or, or have the skills to do it. Uh, I think the main reason people don't is because of this money financial issue. So if, if you're an architect, you know how to design, you know how to build, you know how to talk to contractors, you generally know what's going on. But for some reason, and I think it's because no one ever taught anyone. So if there was a course in your, uh, in, in college, just called, you know, being a developer. And they went through and they said, okay, for a bank loan, have all this. 
This is how much you'll need down. This is where maybe you find extra money. You know, if they just, if that was just a studio course, I think it would gradually shift that way because none of this knowledge is, is above, you know, what you or me or anyone can comprehend. None of this is rocket science. You know, we don't, you don't have to figure out an equation that you never knew before um, or just don't have the capacity to do. Um, so I would say jump in and I would say jump in um, cautiously by mitigating risk. So how we did it is that we built the first tiny house and Lance and I both have construction backgrounds. So it wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal for us to build. So maybe even before that, get some construction experience. And how I did it was in, in the army, which you don't have to sign up for. So <laughs> I, um, you want to do development, you have to join the army. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> but the other one, just uh, Habitat for Humanity. Just signing up, going out there, seeing what's up. And then if you've been, make make it a point to maybe go on your job sites, right? Just just to see what's happening. I also built a, a chicken coop. I think it's awesome because it's sustainable. It has a it has a metal roof and a, and a stone wall, <laughs> a trap wall. <laughs> and, it, and it has a straw bale wall in the back. So I just use all these, you know, cliches. So like, I'm going to build one of each. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to see how it works. Um so, so just get experience in there. Uh, and then we built the tiny house. And then from there, we built two more crazy transformer tiny houses for a huge Fortune 500 company, just because they saw the first one. And yeah. you can go on our web page, f9productions.com, and we have pictures of all this. Yeah, you've done podcast episodes on that as well. So you should definitely check out Inside the Firm podcast and yeah. listen to the podcast. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so then again, by structuring our firm to, to, to save money throughout the year and then seeing what we wanted to do with that pile of money at the end, then, uh, we were looking at land and the, the first one we looked at, didn't really go through, um, it wasn't going to make too much sense. And someone bought it for way more than we could. The second piece of land, uh, someone again, bought it out from under us. So we couldn't do anything. So we were just kind of sitting there and then they wanted to sell it. Um, just for some health reasons, they just couldn't do the project that they wanted. So they said, we had a, a max that we'd go up to. They said, will you give us your max? And we said, yes. And they said, okay, you can have it now. <laughs> uh, and then we're doing, we're doing townhomes and we're, which is basically, I do a lot of townhomes and residential and Lance does a lot of residential. And so this is really within our wheelhouse. And especially from these tiny houses, these tiny houses have hydraulic sky lifts on them. They, you know, things fold. So what we told some initial bankers is uh, this is child's play. This will not be going down the road at 90 miles per hour and then have the ability to unfold and hijack up. This will be stationary. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so that's, that's kind of how, how we did it. Um, and hopefully we'll get it done before the next crash. How did you, yeah, exactly. That's always the big question, right? Um, and there's a lot of risk in development and that's why you, why you suggest that do it, but do it cautiously, do it something small scale, get your feet wet, uh, learn construction. Um, I, we just had a podcast recently with uh, Declan Keefe and Jim Zach, uh, two architect developers on the podcast uh, talking about development and, and who should do it and who shouldn't do it and why. Um, and it was a really interesting uh, discussion. I've, I've not heard people talk about the, the dark side of development. Um, yeah. And so uh, there's certainly some, some risks there, but it's, it, it gives you the creativity freedom and it gives you the ability to build what you want. 
certainly there's there's some significant um, revenue that comes from that type of work. Um, yeah. The, can, can I answer a question I saw earlier? It was about yeah, five yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. So, and it, it's only because I have a, a opinion on this. Someone asked to define architecture. Yeah. So I was holding that to the end, but go for it. I'm oh, gonna, okay. Yeah, because that's a big question. So I was going to hold it, hold it, but let's answer it now. There's. Oh, there you go. Uh, yep. The question from Umar. How uh, how can you define architecture? So this question came up in school, and I'm sure a lot of people talked about it. And a, and a professor answered this, and from my opinion, he started going into the weeds. You know, because architecture is, if you narrowly define it, it's the uh, design of buildings or built structures. And there's a little bit of latitude within that, you know, what's a built structure, you know, all that. And then basically you lead down this trail where the line keeps moving and then architecture becomes everything. And that's how they always end up. You know, some, some professors, architecture is everything. And my opinion is, nope, it is not everything. Words have meaning. And, you know, because they'll say art is architecture, the, uh, you know, the, putting your clothing on is architecture. Nope. There's a word for that. It's called getting dressed. <laughs> there's a word for art. You know, it's, it, it, it's art. So I really want to pull back architecture to the design. And I don't have the dictionary in front of me, but it's the design of buildings. That is what it is. If you're doing something else, there's a different word for it. Um, obviously, but what I do believe is that you can apply architectural thought and design, design thinking to a lot of different areas. And that's where the, the bleed happens. And that's where the crossover can happen is that you can use your architectural brain and creativity and look at how you're designing your business or how you're designing your life. Um, but again, that's not architecture. You're just using your thought process there. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I agree with you. Um, I, I do think words matter and they have meaning. Um, it's a very long, deep discussion. So we'll save that for another time. You can come on the podcast or back here at Entree Architect Live and talk about that. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, Michael has a question. Let's uh, show Michael's question here. Uh, what was the deciding factor in designing and building your own development? The deciding factor uh, actually came down to to a number. Did Could we get the land for under 18% of the valuation of the project? Um, so... In, say, in a broader, say, that, say that again. Say that again. Could you buy the piece of property yeah. for under 18% of what you're going to sell it for? Okay. You know, if you broke it up the, the parcels. So you could go back and I couldn't clearly define, you know, why design build. I've just always had, and I think a lot of people have that in, in their soul. Like, yeah. okay, I, I, des I designed this. I want to go, you know, build it or make it or, or, you know, you've been in uh, meetings with developers and they cut things and you, you, you might think, I don't really need to cut things. I would always think, and I'd tell Lance, why do these developers have to max out the site? Every square inch, like, can't you give us a little bit room from the setbacks? Why do you have to be right up to the setbacks every single time? And it's hilarious when we laid out our, our project. So there's six units on one side and the six unit just barely, barely fit. <laughs> And the question is, okay, do you eliminate that six unit and widen out the unit so you have a little bit more play or do you keep that six unit? And guess what the answer was? It's you keep that six unit. Because <laughs> yeah, now you're an investor too. Exactly, exactly. So um, it, it's always been a want, but whether to pull the trigger on was based on a, a, a factual number of that 
And that, and I've heard that from different developers and I've been planting the seeds and asking questions throughout the years of what are these key, key factors. Um, and, and, and that's one of them. That's, uh, that's very interesting to hear it sort of looked at it in terms of a formula like that. So if you didn't hit your 18%, would you go look for another piece of property or would you just, and you if you couldn't, so, so you would just keep looking for a piece of property until you found one that would work, work the formula. Yep. And I think you have to kind of think in these terms because you're competing against developers. Uh, you're competing against everyone else. So if it was above 18%, we, we, if it was close enough, you know, we might pull the trigger or if we realized there was another opportunity where we could get more value than maybe someone else, or we could mm -hmm. lower costs in somewhere to equalize that out. But if it was at 20, 22%, it's a, a pass and be disciplined and go on to the next one. Yeah. Very interesting. We'll have to do this in some other format and get into much more detail uh, on yeah. how you guys work your developments. Cause that'd be a very interesting conversation. Uh, let's get in. Let's get into the podcast because a lot of what we're talking about, and a lot of the questions that people may have, um, you answer already with Lance uh, uh, at Inside the Firm podcast. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite podcasts. It's on the top of my list every week. I don't miss an episode. I love the the chemistry that you and Lance have, uh, and I love how how open and honest and transparent you are. That's definitely a theme with Entree Architect as well. We're encouraging architects to share what you know. Um, and you guys do that all out every week at Inside the Firm podcast. So talk about a little bit why you started the podcast and then sort of uh, why you keep doing the podcast. Yeah. So we started a podcast before this that kind of went off air and we deleted all the episodes and it was called Driving <laughs> to Work. <laughs> and it was just Lance and I BSing. It was just we we're just talking about, you know, whatever came up, non-architecture related. So that, that kind of died down after we did, you know, 20 episodes or whatever. <laughs> and we had all the equipment, we knew how it was set up and Lance and I were so busy. We wanted to, we needed to discuss things and talk about, you know, business things and what was, what was going on. And with our philosophy and you have the same philosophy of sharing it, we go, well, is this going to be useful information? And the answer is, is yes. And why not just share it? Why not record it and just share it? And then, Lance, okay, what should we call it? Inside the firm. You're coming inside the firm. It's two principles talking about what's actually really happening. Um, so we just we just kicked it off from there, and we had one theme. We have a couple of themes running throughout. We have different segments. Uh, yep. Nicholas Renard of Dig, he reads a piece of architecture, and he's normally pretty funny too. He is uh, funny. He's a good friend of mine as well. He's a member of Entree Architect. I love hearing Nick reads every week. One of the main yeah. reasons I listen. He, he somehow he harasses he harasses us with it <laughs> at the end every time. It is um, awesome. But uh, the development is another theme too. So there are architects that are developers, and these podcasts have been great. You know, your podcast, other people's podcasts, and we thought, well, every time something comes happens happens, we might as well just talk about it. So okay, we're submitting to the city, or you know, something else is is happening, or. Uh, you know, especially when construction comes along, that will be very interesting. So the podcast starts, if, if I would suggest starting from the beginning, because it gives some of, you know, the firm structure, you know, how we started and all that. But if you're interested in development, it, you know, it's there for you. If you're interested in, in firm dynamics, we even talked about, well, here's a shout out back to you. Every week, something cool from uh, Entree Architect Facebook this group. group. We're on right now. Yeah. You reference all the time. 
Yep. And then we'll, we'll post a question and, and even thinking about expanding, you know, the firm or uh, one topic came from one of your podcasts about uh, uh, basically how to become an employee owned company. And then it was just Lance brought up that idea and I've heard about it for about before, but we never really, you know, talked about it. So we were, okay, how would it work? How would it make sense? How would you implement it? So those, it's just, just those types of discussions is what it's about. Yeah, I, I, that's why I love the podcast so much. Much like Arca Speak and the guys over at Arca Speak, it's sort of two guys in your case, two guys, three guys in their case, um, talking about architecture and just sort of having a conversation. But I, what I love about your your podcast is that you're two partners talking, and and many times you can tell that you're you're hashing things out right there live on the recording. That it's like a partners meeting that you're recording and sharing with the world. Yeah. That, you know, you come come to, to Lance with an idea that he hasn't heard from you before and you talk about it there with microphones in front of you. And Lance does the same thing. And that part that's I love the segments. I love Nick and I love uh, the code questions that you, you quiz each other on. I yeah. love the format. I'm bad at 100 percent, too, if you haven't. I know. I noticed keeping... that. I noticed that. I'm keeping track. Um, and uh, but I love the fact that you're that it's open and honest and that you that it's that you, you can tell that you're, you're working things out right there, live, right in front of us. And yep. so uh, it's, a, it's a very cool format. It's, I, and I thank you guys for doing that, for, for sharing all of the knowledge that you have uh, any way you can. So it's a, it's a thank you from me that you do the podcast. Awesome. Uh, you also, I want to also, before we wrap things up, uh, I want to talk about the book because you yeah. have a book called The Creativity Code um, that you wrote a while ago. You know, over yeah. a year ago. Um, and so I'd love to hear why you wrote it um, and, and sort of what you hope to get to get from that. Yeah. So the, um, the philosophy is, is the same of why, why we wrote it. And the backstory goes back to giving and, and teaching. So essentially uh, we are growing and we are trying to hire people and we're trying to hire, you know, people just out of college and they didn't have, a skill and that skill, a skill that we needed. And that skill was Revit. So they had design skills, you know, they could draw, but they didn't have that particular skill to be productive. So we went to the university and we said, uh, can we, can we teach here? We'd love to teach your students so that, you know, we didn't tell them this, but selfishly, then we'll have better employees. And, uh, we went to the architecture school, um, they, environmental design is, is what they call it there, but I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that. And they said, no, you cannot, <laughs> but we teach the engineers. Um, and could you go teach them? And we go, okay, what's the course? And they said, well, they need to know how to draw. They need to know a computer program and they need to know how to be creative. And the problem is that at the end of their senior year, and in, in, this is architectural engineering, and a lot of different engineers take this, is that they're, they do a whole building. And they go, we've been noticing that they've been making very efficient boxes. <laughs> and they said, the real world does not make just very efficient boxes because they've trained them, you know, to be logical and all that. So we, we said, yeah, we'll, we'll teach them. And when we, when we decided to teach the course, we we're like, okay, we just need to be as open and, and as giving as possible. Right. So how do we teach engineers how to be creative? And we thought, well, we're not going to do anything, you know, like have them paint or, you know, have them go on a journey or anything like that. We're just going to give the tools to them and then we're going to let them be free and see what they can come up with. 
right? So we taught them sketching techniques, um, you know, very simple. We taught them, you know, how to do Revit. And then we have lectures on just design principles. You know, how does grouping work? How does alignment work? Um, how to make a design, you know, filter so that you can think about something, you know, what's a partee? So these concepts that, that architects have. And we say, okay, you have the skills and now, now you have these design principles. Um, design either a house, you can make up the whole program, and, or, or design a bridge. And then we give them parameters. So we, we do kind of focus on it can only be this big, you know, uh, the bridge can only, you know, do this or this. But to, to, to not have them go, go so crazy, but they can still put their passion into it. And the results have been absolutely amazing. So we, we would bring in, you know, architecture professors and stuff like that. And they go, holy cow. And it, it, it works out perfectly every time we bring in a new critiquer. And they ask, you know, they're stunned because one, you know, a project will be absolutely amazing. And they'll go, what year are you in? Because you should be in my third year architecture studio. And they're like, oh, this is my first semester. I'm a freshman. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm so glad you asked that question to a freshman. Half the class is freshman. So, you know, odds are, but it's just that more impressive. And, and then after that, basically I tailored that in, into a book. And what I think is, is useful about the book, because I read other, other books too. And I had my, my dad uh, on the podcast. He's a IBMer, you know, uh, and he gave some really good advice and it's advice that, you know, you or me, you know, could think of and, and we kind of know, but when it comes from some sort of tested person or, or from some, something that's been proven, it refocuses you just like those, those students and says, Oh, I only need to focus on these or, or what if I just, you know, take this design and I think about these concepts, you know, will it improvement, you know, improve it. So for students, this book would be, I think, amazing just to open their their eyes to all these possibilities. For other professionals, I almost think it's it's more of, oh yeah, I know this. I should have been doing this, or this really works, or I can just edit my process a little bit to make sure that you know I I don't miss something, that I come up with something more creative, um, that you know that just works better. So the book is an extension of the course and it's talking about creativity again through that guise of architecture and visual thinking and and what we really unleash too is because these engineers do so much mathematics is that we're programmed to be visual thinkers and once you give the tools to sketch or to make something uh it it they just they just go crazy and i think architects take it for granted because that's what we do all the time and and we work all the time and what these engineers would come up and say to us is uh, like yeah when i'm sick of homework i work on your project i'm like well our project is homework too like you realize that this is just another you know another course but they don't think of it like that they think of it almost as a, a break from what they're doing and i think it's because it taps into some sort of primal program that we have to, to, to visually create. And, and once you're given these tools or, you know, uh, given another tick, uh, trick, I, I, we've just seen such great results. And I just wanted to put it in a different format because not everyone can take the class or, you know, be reminded or be refreshed, you know, refreshed for it. So it's a $15 book um, that I think will help out. Yeah. It's, it's a great book for uh, any, for architects. I agree for architects. Um, it's a great book to sort of as a reminder of what we do and why we do it and how we should do it. 
uh, some great new ideas that you may not already know. Uh, definitely great for students, but it's also, it would be a great gift for a consultant uh, or even, oh, yeah. um, uh, even a, a high school student who's just interested in architecture and not quite sure whether they're right for it or not. Um, I think it's a, it's a very wide audience that could, that could get uh, some really valuable information uh, from the book. So I'm glad you wrote it. Um, I just posted up here on the, on the screen, entrearchitect.com slash creativity code will send you uh, to a link to buy it. If anybody wants to buy it at Amazon, that's not an, it's not my affiliate link. I don't know. Is that an affiliate link for you? Uh, it's or is just, it just a direct link? I, I mean, I get a couple, but yeah, yeah it's, it's just the Amazon. Yeah. Yep. I, you don't make much money off of books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I, I like to, to let, I like to be transparent with that as well. So, um, yeah, it, it is a, an affiliate link to Amazon. It's just, you know, it doesn't cost you anything more. It gives, uh, no. Exactly. Gives out, you know, a couple pennies, literally, yeah. uh, by each book. But uh, it's a quick link to get you there, entrearchitect.com slash creativity code. Um, and I think uh, we're going to wrap things up here. There's a couple more questions. I have one last question from the list here uh, from our friend, Nick. Who's taller? Lance or Lance, Lance is slightly taller, but that just means I work hard to be better. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So there's your answer, Nick. Now you know. Okay, that's probably Nick now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that question was from Nick Renard, friends of uh, both of ours. Uh, your top button is undone. Right? <laughs> that, he just wanted me to look. It's <laughs> exactly. You got him. You got him. Yeah. So very cool. Okay. So, but we also have some bonuses. I this uh, we've been here for about an hour. Uh, I wanted to thank everybody for attending here and, and joining us on live on the the, uh, the show here, Entree Architect Live at the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. Um, and I and I appreciate everybody for staying around this long, especially with the technical issues up front. So uh, Al said that he's got a couple of free bonuses for us. Yep. Uh, you want to talk about those? Yeah. So there's a link uh, that Mark will put up. And yep. basically, if you buy the book and... Um, there's a website that you can go to and you can choose one of three options because uh, we do a couple different things um, and you can get these bonuses just by sending a receipt, you know, that, that you bought the book. And the first one is we, we teach Revit. So before we even started teaching at CU, we, we taught other professionals. And again, it was the same thing. So we give almost absolutely everything we can. Um, and what that means is that it's our template that we use in our firm that we update every year. So we just updated to 2018 and we went through a whole slew of updates to make our template more efficient, mean, lean, you know, just, just ready to rock and, and be productive with schedules, sheets. And it has a, a pack of furniture and components so that everything can be plug and play. And then it has a back end where you can get training on families, on, on pro, uh, how to do a project. Um, and this is also what really helped leap these the students forward is that instead of teaching them and giving them the basic Revit nothingness is that after you teach them the basics then you say, when you want to create something, here's this temp, here's a million Legos. You can make anything your, your heart desires. And that's what we give the professionals too. So if you buy the book, you get 10% off. It's a firm license for around a thousand dollars. So if you were ever going to buy Revit furniture, you might as well buy the book and save 90 bucks <laughs> on the whole package. Um, 
The the second one is that. Uh, so you so you're giving them three options. They can pick one of those on. options. If you go to entrearchitect.com slash F9, it'll take you to a page that lays out those three options. If you buy the book, you can pick one of these options. Is that the, that's yep. the deal? Okay. That's the deal. Second one, when I read books, a lot of times you get in the author's head, you get in, in, in their world, you get engrossed with what they're talking about. Um, and sometimes I have a question or just want to reach out. Um, and what this, the, the second option is a phone call or an email, you know, Hey, you've been thinking about this. What about, you know, how do you apply this thought to something different? That's another option. We can have a telephone conversation. We can work something out. We can have a Skype uh, conversation. Be happy to do it. And the third one, I don't have it up. Uh, what was the third it's one? A oh. podcast shout out. Yeah. So if you're a firm, we, we, you know, Mark already mentioned, we run inside the firm. If you want us to promote uh, your firm, uh, what you're doing, anything like that, we'll happily give you a shout out on, a, on our podcast. So a quick little ad spot, just a little, yep. little blip. Yep. If you buy the book. Cool. So that's entrearchitect.com slash F9. I'll take you to that page. Uh, buy the book. It's worth, it's worth the book. Just buy the book. And uh, I see actually John Lehman posted there that he's uh, thanking us for the inspiration and the informative conversation. And he just ordered the book. Oh, thanks, so, John. Thanks, John. I uh, appreciate that. And um, let's just hide that. Oh, actually, we don't need to hide that. Let's keep that up so everybody has it. Okay. So that's the page. Uh, so, Al, let's wrap things up. Is there anything, any parting? guidance you could uh, leave the Entree Architect community? Any final words? Doesn't have to necessarily be advice yeah. or guidance. Some final words. Uh, I would just say uh, whatever some, we've heard from, from our listeners that some people are, you know, a common advice is to just do it. And then we also had someone saying, I hate when people say that, you know what I mean? Because, because they're doing, you know, other things and it's not as easy. And, at first, I didn't understand that because Lance and I like to jump into a lot of different things. But what I think we fail to mention a lot is that we do it strategically and we do it uh, without risking too much, right? So it's it's like someone saying, hey, be risky. But then they don't say, oh, well, I carved out, out time you know, at, at five in the morning to do this while I'm still doing my other job. So I don't take away billable hours or I don't piss off my wife by coming home and never talking to her. Um, or, or things like that. So uh, whatever you want to do, I don't think you have to throw away what you've done in the past. I think you need to just carve out some time to maybe explore your little adventures and then put it out there and see what comes. Um, and most of the time, if you are giving, uh, I think it comes back. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you guys are a perfect example at F9 Productions. Uh, for everything you just said, it's it's you you you're doing so much. You're running an architecture firm. You're doing a podcast. Um, you you wrote a teaching. book. You you're doing teaching. You're doing all these things, but you're doing them very strategically. And yes, you're you're just doing it, but you're doing it very strategically uh, with a plan. Um, and you're taking mitigated risks. You know, you sort of know what you're doing when you're going to do it. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, anything. Entree Architect is another example of that. It's, you know, it, I, there's a, it was an idea for a long time before it actually happened. And when it finally happened, it was only me saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set a deadline and I'm going to do it. And I am going to jump and we'll see where it lands. And yep. I'm still, still falling through the air. Uh, but uh, you, you need to take that jump to, to make anything happen. So 
Uh, I think that's that's uh, great advice. Well, what's the best way to uh, contact you? Um, Just email akg at f9productions.com. Um, I'm not going to give out my phone number because I have enough telemarketers calling me. <laughs> but uh, on Facebook, um, we're at f9productions.com. Uh, that's our main website. You can find us there. I, my personal website is alexandergore.com. Um, we're just doing a, a bunch of stuff. Uh, so if, if you look us up, you can find us. Feel free to reach out. Yeah, and definitely definitely subscribe to Inside the Firm podcast. You, uh, If you get nothing from this, do that. Because awesome. uh, that is definitely a, a great show. I love the way you uh, share and the, the knowledge that you're you're, pre you're presenting there, Alex. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge here today at the uh, the the first Entree Architect Live here at Facebook, uh, where we've done interviews. We've done a bunch, but this is our first interview. So thanks yeah. for being uh, being here and hanging out and sharing some knowledge. Thanks for inviting me. It was it was a blast. Well, that was fun. I loved talking with Alex. Alex is an interesting guy. He's doing some amazing things. And it was great to have Alex as my first guest at Entree Architect Live over at the Facebook group. And I have two questions for you here at the podcast this week. Number one, should we do more Entree Architect Live sessions? Should we go to Facebook, the Facebook group at entrearchitect.com slash group? If you're not a member, you can go join. It's a free group. It's closed, so the conversations that are in there, very supportive, active, interactive community in there. EntreeArchitect.com slash group will get you in there uh, for free. Go over there and let me know whether you like the Entree Architect live session. The video is still there, posted in the group. You can watch the live video of what we just listened to. Uh, if you like it, let me know and I'll do more. If you if you want me to keep doing this, I need some, some feedback. I need some positive feedback about what we did, how we did it, and if you like it, if you don't, no worries. I'd love to know that too. And I won't do any more. Uh, if I don't get any feedback, any positive feedback, any feedback at all, uh, no worries. I'll go do something else that, uh, that you may like. So I, I want to do what you want me to do. So if you like this, if you like this video, live video where you can ask questions too, which was the best part about it. I love doing that. Um, go to entrearchitect.com slash group and go let me know. Number two. Would you share this episode with a friend? Share this episode, entrearchitect.com slash episode 190 and let people know what we're doing here. If you've already shared it, share it with somebody else. Think of another person and share entrearchitect.com slash episode 190 with them. If you haven't shared, please do. Please send a link right now, entrearchitect.com slash 190. Let a friend know what we're doing here at Entree Architect and we'll keep doing it because we want to help you build a better business. We want to help support you. We want to give you knowledge. We want to give a platform for other architects to share their knowledge with you. And we want as many architects out there to know what we're doing here at Entree Architect. So go share it, entrearchitect.com slash episode 190. And don't forget to go visit entrearchitect.com slash free course for the free profit course. It is a three module, all inclusive course that will teach you step-by-step step how to be profitable. It goes through the whole process from beginning to end. You do what's in that course and you will be profitable. EntreeArchitect.com slash free course. It's definitely worth much more than being free. It's worth at least $200. When we sell it, it's $197. 
Um, we're giving it away for free in order to give you an introduction to what we do here at Entree Architect. So go download it right now. It's free, entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Think about it. If you have more money, if you are profitable, if you go take that course and you learn how to be more profitable, what do you think you're gonna do? You're gonna have more time and more resources and more money to go build more architecture, to design more architecture, to create more art, to be the architect that you wanna be, right? That's how it works. You go build a better business so you can be a better architect. That's the order that you need to do it in. It's profit, then art. Go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thank you for listening and have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe.
It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.